Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I want to share with you 10 classroom management mistakes um, that can quickly derail your classroom or cause things to be way more chaotic than you want them to be, make it difficult to actually be able to teach and for your students to be able to focus and for you to be able to grow and learn together. And as I share these, I want you to know if you find that you've made one or many of these, that's not a cause for feeling bad. These are common mistakes because they're common. I've made a lot of these mistakes. Chances are you're, you've made some of these or are making them. What we want to do is focus on growth, right? And be excited to uncover something that we can improve on and do a little bit differently to help us succeed and create a smooth running classroom where you can teach and your students can learn without all the disruptions. So I'm really excited to jump into these with you. Before we do that, I want to let you know we have free classroom management training coming up. So if you listen to these and you're like, wow, this was so good, but I need more help, um, you can head to teachfortheheart.com slash training, teachfortheheart.com slash training to sign up for our upcoming free training. We also work with teachers in our mentorship program to help you step-by-step create that smooth running classroom. So you can find out more about the mentorship at teachfortheheart.com slash mentorship. All right, let's dive in. 10 classroom management mistakes uh, that just might be derailing your um, ability to teach effectively. So number one, choosing between being kind and strict. So a lot of times, especially if you're a newer teacher, there's this misnomer that I have to choose to either be like the kind teacher or like the firm, strict teacher, the mean teacher almost. And it's like an either or. (laughs) And I know I kind of fell into this a little bit thinking like, well, I don't want to be mean. So like if I want to be nice, then like I can't be too strict or whatever. It's this thought that it's an either or. And the reality, and maybe it's because in our past we had teachers that were either or, right? And so that's how we see it for some reason in our mind. But the reality is that we do not have to choose between being the kind teacher or the nice teacher and being the like strict teacher. We really need to be both. And success is going to be most found when we are both simultaneously. When we never... When we're not mean, we're always kind and nice and personable and our students know we care about them and we're understanding of them and their situation and their background. But at the exact same time, we're not a pushover. We do not just let things go. We hold students accountable. So doing both together is magical and it is exactly where we need to be. So number one mistake, choosing between being kind and strict. Don't do that. Strive to be both. Number two, letting little things go. Oh my goodness, this was, I've made so many of these mistakes, by the way, but this is one of the biggest ones. And this is particularly dangerous at the beginning of the year. Um, so something to keep in mind for next year, but where when you when you start out the year, especially if you are letting those little things go, it, it looks like this. I remember thinking, oh, their head's down, it's no big deal, or they're just talking a little bit, it's no big deal, or, you know, they're not really following my procedure that I just told them to do, but it's not a big deal. And the thing is, those little things by themselves maybe aren't a big deal. And so we'd like to just let them go and not worry about it. But if we don't address those smaller issues, a couple things happen. Um, Number one, 
human nature is to push boundaries. So students are pushing those boundaries. And if we don't kind of hold the boundary, then the boundary just keeps getting pushed, 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 pushed. And before we know it, we have like way bigger issues going on. Instead of like two kids talking, you've got 20 kids talking and they're talking over each other and they're talking when you're talking and, and everything like that, right? So they it doesn't stop there. Little problems don't stay little. Another issue with this too is that not only do little problems not problems don't stay little because students like to push boundaries, but also because um, you're kind of, there's an intangible thing going on here. And that is when we don't, when we let little things go, we're kind of telling students without outright telling them, our actions are telling them that we don't really mean what we say. And even though we've said this is what we're going to do, you don't actually have to. And that intangible um, message really can have students take advantage of you and, and the problems can spread to bigger and bigger things. So number two, don't let little things go. Letting little things go is a huge mistake. Um, rather, they need to be addressed um, while they're still small, kind of that'll nip them in the bud before they become bigger issues. Mistake number three, expecting good procedures to just happen. I think sometimes, especially when we're first starting out teaching or if we just haven't done it for long, we realize that we we don't realize how important procedures are and how much work and effort has to go into creating good procedures. Uh, We really need to think through every single aspect of our classroom and think, how will this run smoothly? Not only that, though, is we actually have to teach our students our procedures. It's not enough to just say, okay, this is how we do it. There, you, you really have to go way deeper than this. I teach a four-part um, system for teaching procedures, and I actually teach it in that free training at teachfortheheart.com slash training. But real quick, the way I recommend teaching procedures is, number one, you explain the procedure model if needed. Number two, you practice it with them. Number three, you correct what didn't go right, and then you redo it if needed. Together, that is really, really magical. But the point is you got to spend a lot of time and effort on procedures. And if you want to know more about that, like I said, the free training goes into more detail about how we can uh, teach procedures so that students actually follow them. All right, let's review. Number one, mistake, choosing between being kind and strict. Number two, letting little things go. Number three, expecting good procedures to just happen. Number four, not having clear expectations. Okay, when you think about your classroom, are your expectations clear? Now you might think, yeah, of course they are. But for example, let's just take the simplest thing of talking in your classroom. Do students know exactly, do you in your mind, let's start there actually even, know exactly when students are allowed to talk and when they're not and at what levels, right? Um, There's probably not just the no talking policy across the board, right? Sometimes they're working in small groups. Sometimes you're having a class discussion. Sometimes they're working with a partner. Like there are times when they're allowed to talk. Are you really clear in your own mind when they are and are not allowed to talk and at what level? Um, Are they clear, (laughs) Then, so this expectations start in our own mind. Am I clear exactly what I expect? And then they go to students. Do my students understand exactly what's expected of them? A lot of times we might think our expectations are clear, but they're not. Talking was just one example, right? I mean, think of think of all kinds of things. Do students know if they're allowed to get up and walk around the classroom or not? Do they know what's expected as far as um, just all kinds of things? So the procedures are, are one area, but expectations are kind of what I mean by expectations is more like behaviorally. Do they know what behavior is expected in the classroom? Are you really clear on that? And have you clearly communicated it with them? So number four, not having clear expectations both in your mind and then communicated to the students can cause a lot of chaos. Number five, not having 
logical consequences. Now, I know as soon as the word consequences comes up, that's a little bit a controversial word and a controversial topic. And there's even schools that say, well, you're not allowed to have any consequences at all. But the reality is if there's no consequences at all in your classroom, students aren't learning about life. Because in life, our actions have consequences. So logical consequences mean that they are logical for what happened. So for example, um, not turning in homework, um, get having to do it during a fun activity. That's logical, right? I didn't get it done, so now I have to do it now when I wish I could be participating in whatever the class is doing. Okay, that's a logical consequence. Um, and there's all kinds of examples. I cannot tell you what your consequences should be because it really is gonna depend on your school, the age of your students, the culture, all those things. We do have a consequence idealist. You can check out at teachfortheheart.com slash consequences. You can get that idea, that idealist if you'd like. Um, but the point isn't to have this be whatever your consequence be. Pick something that's appropriate. But the point is they should be lo- as logical as possible. And we do need at least some consequences. I don't like to jump right to consequences. I like to give students a lot of time to self-correct and to turn things around. Um, but if we don't have logical consequences, then how are they supposed to learn from their mistakes? Nothing happens when they make bad choices. Um, life just is just completely fine when they make bad choices. How are they going to learn from them? So it is important to have some type of logical consequence. And by the way, if you're at a school and you're like, I can't, I'm not allowed, uh, you don't have to call them consequences. So not getting a reward is a consequence, okay? (laughs) So if you have to manufacture things that students earn as a reward and those that don't earn the reward don't get them, you can do that, okay? So same concept, Um, but the concept being um, things go differently, whether we make poor choices or good choices. Number six kind of goes along. Number six mistake, bailing students out when they make bad choices. And I have to admit, I always want to bail my kids out, my students out, because I feel bad. I feel like, oh man, like hopefully they they can learn without the consequence. They don't need it. Like I'll just want to bail them out. Um, but when we bail them out, we rob them of that opportunity to learn. And typically the consequences we're talking about here are like very minor. Like you said, you know, having whatever the consequence is in the grand scheme of life, often the consequences we're debating over are not that big unless a big offense has happened and then a bigger one is necessary. Um, So not bailing students out is important. You know, if students, now this does, does this mean we never give grace? Of course not. Okay. Grace can be extended um, when it's what's best for the student, when there's extenuating circumstances, when we can tell they've really been trying and this is a rare thing. Um, But we shouldn't be like, perpetually bailing students out of their of their poor choices. Um, they, they need to understand that cause and effect and experience that. So we're, gonna, we're tempted to bail them out, but when we do, we rob them of the learning experience to learn, okay, this was not a good choice. I need to make a better one next time. Number seven mistake, not building relationships with our students. I doubt many of you are making this mistake um, because you're here and you're listening, so you clearly care about your students. But I did want to just put this on here. Obviously, it would be a big mistake to not simultaneously be focusing on building relationships with your students. Classroom management isn't just procedures and expectations and consequences. It is also heavily relationship-based. And so don't feel like these are in tension with one another. Like, oh, I have to, you know, when I when I enforce consequences, that's like takes away from the relationship and then I no, like good relationships 
it's they they build into each other good relationships with your student will help your classroom management and honestly good classroom management should help your relationships if you're doing right because think about it um you're not going to have great relationships with your student if your classroom is out of control and it's chaotic and it's like a disaster okay um that goes back to the mistake number one this is not a choice between being kind and firm gotta be both right so anyhow back to what we were talking about though is building relationships is really important um we could do an entire podcast episode just on that and we have um but just working on building relationships with your students is key so don't neglect that um some just really simple things is just talking to students one-on-one um, about things, just making comments, noticing things about them, showing that you care about them um, beyond school. And there's so many things you can do to build relationships, but don't neglect that. That is a key piece. And invest maybe even more in the students that are most challenging um, by investing in them more um, than your those relationships um, are probably most important. Maybe not most important. All relationships are important and good kids need relationships with their teachers too. Um, but definitely, I, I guess the students that are struggling behaviorally probably need more effort from you in order to be able to build a relationship with them. Number eight, mistake focusing only on negative behavior. And this can happen sometimes when we, you know, create our plan like, okay, this is how I'm going to deal with all these behaviors. Um, But then we can forget to um, encourage and praise the positive behavior in our classroom. And obviously, we don't want to do that. We absolutely want to be encouraging positive behavior, recognizing when students are doing well, and spend a lot of effort on that too. So remember, there's two sides of that coin. Um, I do believe it's important to deal with issues, but we also want to be really encouraging to our students. We want to recognize when things are going well and um, lean on that side too. So don't forget Don't neglect that positive reinforcement and the encouragement you can give students by noticing their effort, noticing when they're improving, noticing when they're doing well, and telling them so. All right, number nine, worrying about what students do. Okay, you might be like, wait a second, I thought that's what this entire episode was about. Here's what I mean. We we can't actually control what our students do. They, we are not them, okay? So if we are worried about what our students are going to do, that is wasted energy, okay? We cannot directly control students' behavior. They, a student in your classroom, could do something crazy tomorrow. You can't control that. Now, there's a lot you can do to prevent things. That's what we're talking about, right? But at the bottom line, end of the day, Um, we can't control our students because we're not them. So we shouldn't be worried about what students do. Rather, we should focus our energy on what we can do as the teacher. So A, all these things we're talking about where we can create an environment where there's where the students are encouraged to make good choices, where things run smoothly, all of that. So a lot of preventative things we can do um, to help students make good choices and to kind of prevent a lot of issues in the first place. And then when issues do come up, we control how we respond to the students. So what I'm saying here, this is just, this is really a mindset shift, but I think it's a powerful one to not get discouraged in your classroom management. Because if you're always worrying about what your students are going to do or not do, and you're judging your classroom management based on how well the students are responding, 
um, that can be really discouraging, especially if you just have a really tough class, which that happens sometimes. Or if you're kind of early in your teaching journey and you're still working on your skills, but they're not all the way developed yet and you're getting better, but your students aren't completely where you want them to be. If you're focusing and just so worried about whether or not students are always doing what they should, you're going to get really discouraged. But if you focus your energy instead on, okay, I as the teacher, what strategies am I using to prevent issues? And then how am I responding consistently consistent, consistently, and lovingly when student issues do arise? That is going to be a much more beneficial um, focus of your mental energy, right? Um, and, and your passion is on, am I getting better? Am I improving? Am I doing what I can And knowing and believing that if you keep working on those things, the student's behavior will improve in time or you'll get through that hard class and get onto an easier one or whatever it is. I think that's just really important to keep us from getting discouraged. Hopefully that makes sense. If you have questions, we'd love to talk about it. You can hop over in our Facebook group. We can chat about it. Our Facebook group is at teachfortheheart.com slash Facebook. All right, let me review. Nine mistakes so far. We got one left. Number one, choosing between being kind and strict. Number two, letting little things go. Number three, expecting good procedures to just happen. Number four, not having clear expectations of, of, of student behavior. Number five, not using logical consequences. Number six, bailing students out when they make bad choices. Number seven, not building relationships with your students. Number eight, focusing only on the negative. Number nine, worrying about what students do rather than on your response and what you can control. And then number 10, not having a plan. This was another one of my really huge mistakes. I don't really know what I was thinking. I had been warned um, by some of my professors, but I showed up into my classroom and I had a plan for my lessons. I did plan out a lot of my procedures. That was good. But I had no plan for what I was going to do when students misbehaved beyond just giving them the teacher look. And I will tell you, just the teacher look by itself does not work too well. There's nothing backing it up and nothing else ever happens except the look. It just I learned the hard way. That does not work. I did not have a plan. And I didn't Part of that's because I just didn't know what my plan should be. Part of it was just the ignorance of thinking maybe, I don't know if I didn't think I needed one or if I just thought, oh, I'll just make it work. Um, but not having a plan, it doesn't work well unless you already have the experience and skill not to need a plan, right? If you're like a master chef, you don't need a recipe. But if you're a beginner, you need a recipe. And that's kind of how this is. If you're struggling or just starting out, having a plan, having a recipe is so, so beneficial. Um, planning ahead of time. How am I, what we just talked about, you know, your responses. What are the things I'm going to do to prevent issues? And then, and then this is the part that I was really missing. What am I going to do when students are talking out of turn, when they get up and walk around the room, when they put down their head, when they're rude to each other, when they're rude to me, when they don't turn in their homework, when they, whatever it is, right? All these things. Do I know how I'm going to respond? Do I know how I'm going to handle it? Um, do I know how I'm going to follow through and be consistent? If you don't have a plan, um, then it, I don't know. What happened to me was I got in that moment and I just kind of, like I said, I just gave a teacher look. I didn't do anything. And those little problems did not stay little. They grew and grew. And before I knew it, it was just really out of control was really bad. Um, so having a plan, once I went, when, at that point, I was like, I got to do something and I got a plan. And I actually talk, we'll talk more about the plan on the free training. Like I said, teachfortheheart.com slash training. And once I had a plan, I started putting it into practice. I started using it. And it wasn't like, 
perfect overnight, obviously, but my confidence started to improve and I started to deal with stuff. I started to be more consistent because I had predetermined this is how I'm going to deal with that. And then I just had to go ahead and 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 use it. And so that was really helpful for me. And that's when things started to turn around. So um, having a plan is so important um, so that you know what you're going to do and are able to be consistent. I hope you guys have found these 10 mistakes helpful and that there's at least one or two of them that maybe sparks in your mind and thinks, ooh, and gives you an idea of what to do differently. Now, obviously, we went through these super fast and I hope I hope you found them helpful and that you um, have an idea of what to do differently. But if you say, Linda, um, like I said, these were too fast and I need more details about how exactly to avoid um, some of these certain mistakes, um, we invite you, first of all, to our free training at teachfortheheart.com training where we go into more detail about some of these mistakes and what to do instead. And we also invite you to join us in the Teach for the Heart mentorship where we work with you step-by-step to help you develop that classroom management plan and then put it into practice so you can create a smooth running classroom. And so you can find out info about the mentorship at teachfortheheart.com slash mentorship. Let's take a moment and pray before we go. Father, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you care about every aspect of our life, including our classroom management. And I pray that you will um, give each of these teachers that's listening clarity, give them wisdom, help them know that you love them, that you are with them every day, um, and that you will um, help them and guide them and that they can lean on you and trust in you each and every day. I pray you'll um, bring clarity to their minds about um, what they should do and guide them to the solutions that they need, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.